welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia isolation slash quarantine slash furlough podcast. As you know, it's just the two kings from here on in, Dr. Watson and Ross Halls, both furloughed. So the mind and the prospect both away doing other things. But luckily for you and me, we've still got the wit. So we'll call this show the wit and the tit. The wit, of course, <laughs> Scotch Hogan. Andy Warren, how are you, my friend? Hello. You're going to struggle without a mind, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, a mind, very important, very important, missing the mind and, and the prospect too. But I think without a mind, you're, uh, you're going to struggle. I'm losing mine, so I could do with a little bit of his, his back. His massive, beautiful mind. I, of course, am the tit, your host, Mark Key. Um, yeah, so this is Kings of Anglia podcast. It's week I don't know, about 74 of, uh, of self-isolation, something like that, feels like that. And it's just me and Hutchie from here on in until at least the end of May, as previously discussed. Hutchie, we are in isolation. We are doing another podcast for Carry Army to keep them uh, hopefully entertained a little bit during the week, an hour of, of town-related nonsense. And when we last spoke, you had a big day coming up last Thursday. It was a, an important birthday in your household, a lockdown birthday for your daughter. How did that all go? Lovely, lo- lovely stuff. Two two years old she was um, last Thursday. Um, very strange because a day where most of her family would have wanted to wanted to see her, but they they couldn't really. They did come to the door to kind of sing her happy birthday, which she kind of coped with. Okay, she just wants to hug her nanny, which is sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we had a really nice day. Had a barbecue. Um, played in the garden. Went on a bike ride and uh, ate some cake, which we made for her. So, yeah, all good. What was the gift situation? Because I know you, there was a big uh, a big shiny gift in the offing. Oh, the old bike, yeah. Um, sadly, like her dad, she's um, she's quite short. So, actually, the, the bike that we bought for her, even on its lowest settings, with the seat as low as possible, she's still a good few inches from touching the floor. So um might bring that back out for a third birthday present. Who knows? <laughs> depending on depending on growth. But yeah, I think she like she likes the idea of it. It's called the pink arrow, her bike. Wow. And she loves it. Shiny, pink. We kind of sat her on it and wheeled it around the garden. But um yeah, turns out what she actually really love, loves are some little wooden pretend ice lollies that my uh, my auntie bought for her. And she's obsessed. She's absolutely obsessed with them. So that's all you need. That will entertain a two-year-old for, for weeks. There you go. Um, another thing we both succumbed to uh, since we last spoke was lockdown haircuts. By mm-hmm. um, which I, I was very trepidatious about. We'd ordered some proper hairdressing scissors uh, and obviously already had the clippers. Um, it was meant to be a weekend before last, but fortunately the scissors didn't turn up. Um, but when they showed up, I had no other choice. I was, I was, uh, the hair, the barnet, frankly, was a disaster anyway. Um, so what's the worst that could happen? I could, I could shave it if it was terrible. Um, but Liz, my, my better half, did a, a bang tidy job, as they say in the industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, uh, yeah, it, it was, I was pretty pleased with it. I am pretty pleased with it. Uh, it looks um, great. Like, she did looked- a really, she did a really good job. Yeah, I actually sent pictures to my uh, hairdresser because I, I kind of told him beforehand that she's saying she's going to have a go, uh, and he gave her top marks. He said, "Not bad at all." So is, he te- 
is he concerned now that he's lost your business? Uh, I don't think he needs to be concerned about that. No, it's not. It's not. It's not salon quality, but it's, it certainly does a job uh, in these unprecedented times. You have to say unprecedented, don't you? Whenever you talk about these times. Um, <laughs> how about yourself, Archie? You sent me some pictures. And it looks like uh, your wife's done a done a, a good job as well. Um. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's done an okay job. She. I think I think our respective wives were working with working with different canvases in this whereas your your hair is well generally in in real life well kept it's looked after it's nurtured it's loved uh whereas mine is more of a kind of mine yours is like the chelsea flower show garden whereas my <laughs> mine is like the like going over the heath right it's just like a bit wild and just does what it wants so she attacked it with garden shears um, and some clippers, which actually we had to get back because they were our clippers, but we lent them to a family member when they, and I'm not very proud of this, when they had a dog that needed sh- uh, <laughs> shaving <laughs> um, for medical reasons. So we had to, um, we had to reclaim them and sterilize them before they could be used, which was concerning. But yeah, Vicky did okay. She attacked it. It looked awful early early on in the process. Yeah. But, um, she recovered well, and it's it's all right. It will do the job. She done. She done. She's done okay in the end. She's uh, recovered well. Excellent stuff. And just before we move on to the uh, the football, um, let's talk about TV and lockdown. What what have you been watching? We've both been watching. I know the Last Dance on Netflix, which is the quite frankly, tremendous basketball documentary about the 1998 season with the Chicago Bulls. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, not, I've still not got on to episode three. They come, they're coming out every Monday, aren't they? Two episodes they every Monday. Yeah, every Monday, yeah. Um, but sadly, yeah, I've not quite got on to them yet. I'm, I'm, very, I'm, being, I'm being very slow with, with, um, with TV during this because by the time my little girl's in bed, it's... Um, eight-ish and uh kind of been going to bed really early mark what just getting, just getting the days done but you don't do that you're nocturnal i know i know but I, what i also don't do re- realistically what i shouldn't be doing is beginning my day at half past five every day but what uh what a two-year-old wants a two-year-old gets so <laughs> my t my tv has generally been kind of a hey hey dougie you watching that mark no no no. Um, what about the Good Dinosaur? Watching that? It sounds like something I'd be into. I've got to be honest, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peppa Pig. You watching that? That's a classic, isn't it? Do you, do yeah. you, is Sean the Sheep ever on rotation? Because that's something that adults can enjoy. She she does watch Wallace and Gromit. We've not yes. we've not quite got over to Sean the Sheep. I'm trying to get her to watch Chicken Run. Yes, um, but there's a, there's a bit too much talking for her at the moment in that. She's just, she's just not really into the dialogue. She wants um, she wants music and movement. But um, yeah, get on Hey Dougie. I think you'll like that. Hey Dougie, I'll look it up. Uh, the other things I've been watching, just to, to give people recommendations, Afterlife, the second series, very good. Ricky Gervais has this unbelievable ability to write stuff that's both funny and touching. Obviously, there was elements of that in the office, but this is uh, this is another level. Now that uh, I have smashed. I've got I, I got all the way through that at the weekend. It's great, isn't it? 
he's a genius. Yeah. Um, and also something called Gangs of London, which uh, I've only seen the first. The first episode is an hour and 40 minutes long. So it's basically a film. Um, but it's meant to be like the UK's answer to the, the brilliant um, crime series, Italian crime series, Gamora. Um, first first episode. Yeah, it was all right. Um, lots of lots of very violent scenes, some incredible fight scenes. But I, it suffers a little bit from what I'd call unbelievable casting. The, the main character is is a guy, I think his name is Joe Cole, who is one of the Peaky Blinders. But, and he's meant to be this kind of gangster's son, hardcore guy. The first scene in it is him burning someone alive. But <laughs> he's just a bit posh and doesn't seem doesn't seem to me like he'd be a terrifying gangster type. So I don't know. Maybe they'll grow on me as we, as we get deeper into it. Um, let us know what you're thinking about that. I know, actually, I saw someone, um, one of the Calais Army asked me about that. So there you go. Um, that's what I think about it so far. Should we talk about football, Hutchie? Obviously, yes, there's, yes, um, there's not any actual football to talk about, but there's always stuff within the football theme to discuss. Um, and this week, something that, that took me by surprise in terms of popularity, you um, you sent me a message yesterday as we, as we stay in touch during the day, talking about what we're doing. We said, I'm just going to do something about town cleaning the North Stand roof. And I kind of saw that and thought, yeah, fair enough. Um, my flabber was gastered at the end of the day when I saw it was the most read story of the day. So that must be one dirty ass roof, actually. It's disgusting. If you, when we are allowed back in the office, just, well, you won't see it now because it's been cleaned. But if you parked your car a little bit further away from the office, then, because uh, you've got kind of, um, being the big dog, you were allowed to park in the uh, in the office di- in the car park directly next to the office, weren't you? Executive so park. That's in the executive, is it valet parking in there? Does someone park it for you, or is it? It should, it should be. I've got to be honest. It should be. Yeah. Um, but if you park in the minions car park, like we were, like we had to, you'd have seen it every morning, and it is disgusting. It's really wound me up for years and years. There's a big. The bit that kind of sticks out, the overhang bit over Sir Alf Ramsey Way, is like a silver, silver kind of smooth edge triangle, like a Dairy Lee um, Laughing Cow style uh, cheese triangle. Nice. Um, sticking out above the concourse, and on the back of that is just a horrible mossy, um, just moss basically that has been there for years and years. Um, but it. You, both yesterday and today, it is being cleaned. I've seen pictorial evidence of it. There's a cherry picker. The road's closed, and it's going to be cleaned, and it's going to look great, and it's going to it's going to cheer up a lot of people because uh, kind of walking towards Portman Road from from behind the North Stand, it's a really nice view of the ground, but it, it's been spoilt by uh, a minging roof. But um, yeah, it's been sorted. So there are good things happening in the world. Fair play. I mean, as I say, the amount of people have read that story obviously does it is something that means a lot to people. So, well played. Finally. Yeah, it's just it's just little, just little, little things that appearance appearance counts for a lot. And um, if you've got a clean roof, you know you're doing okay. So, yeah, fair play. Well done, Ipswich. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. I mean, there's a famous story, isn't there? And Bobby Robson took over. One of his first things he did was was basically give everything a lick of paint and, and make it look. Kind yeah. of and, and and like a professional working environment. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, um, they've they've done some stuff in on the cobbled stand already. They've kind of there were some awful tatty looking gates to turnstiles on the cobbled stand. They were painted last year, and they look much better. There's a plan 
they're doing all sorts of stuff kind of inside the stadium. There's a new mural in the North Stand. There's kind of a Legends Ipswich Town mural up on a wall, and they're planning on doing the, the kind of the next, I think the next thing, part of the plan when that happens, I don't know, is the tatty kind of windows where you can see, you know, where all the plastic is peeling out the back of the cobbled stand that we see near the office. Yeah. That's um, that's going to be kind of replaced by a mural depicting the history of the club on there, I believe, which, yeah, it's, it's little things. And, you know, getting promoted from League One was the real the real goal. But, um, yeah, little things like that, just to improve the appearance of the place and um, and things like that. They, they, they go a long way, I think. Mm, great. And in terms of the general uh, theme of Ipswich Town and, and getting back to playing and stuff, and obviously the, the furlough situation we're in at the moment, the players currently in discussion with Marcus Evans about potentially deferring some of their wages for, for April to try and save some money and help, help things out. Yeah, what, yeah. what can we say about that? Um, I think it's kind of stemmed from the um, obviously t- the early talk during during this period was the PFA were involved a lot and didn't come out of it looking particularly good to start with. But there was an agreement with the EFL and the PFA, which kind of looked at it being possible to defer 25 percent of um, of players of players wages just to help the clubs at a time where. Um, nothing's coming in basically financially and the, the biggest expenditure is the, the playing wage bill. So um, that's that's something the PFA and the EFL agreed and the Ipswich squad and and Evans are kind of talking about that. There's a willingness from both sides to make that happen. Obviously, clearly there's a willingness from, from the owner to make that happen, but the players have shown some willing as well. There was a national report in the newspapers at the weekend saying that the Ipswich squad had rejected had rejected it. That's that that isn't true. It's not they're not just stubbornly rejecting the possibility of deferring any wage. Um w- rather it was it kind of the discussions were all coming too late to get that done to affect the April pay packet. So it's kind of not happening for April, but they're gonna they're gonna continue those discussions and I'm sure there'll be there'll be an agreement an agreement there. Mm. And just on just on the wages thing as well, there's a, an interest. I'm going to do something about an interesting survey which come to light this week, which just showed that the the huge chasm, the gaping chasm, the yawning chasm between <laughs> the Championship and League One in terms of wages. So it basically revealed that the average Championship wage per week was 29 grand for a player, and in League One that's just 4,700 pounds. So I say just. That's obviously still good work if you can get it. Uh, in, the, in in the championship, the top paid player is on sixty eight grand a week, which is just mental. And in the, in League One, I think it's sixteen thousand, which is a it's all anonymous. But this is a, a League One club up south, so one assumes that's that's Sunderland. And in terms of manager wages, there's a manager at a Southern League One club on five hundred and fifty grand a year. Actually, who could that be? Who could that be? Mm. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think that's going to be anyone other than Paul Lambert. I, I can't imagine that it's anybody other than him. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? When you start looking at the, the kind of the, the stark figures, uh, and no wonder Marcus Evans is such a huge backer of financial fair play. If, if you're looking at twenty nine grand a week as an average player wage in the Championship to be competitive, that's yeah, yeah. that's mental. I think that I think. 
I think parachute payments and Premier lingering Premier League contracts will have a massive impact on that on that average figure. Mm. It, like Ipswich haven't haven't paid a player anywhere near that average figure, whatever probably even in the Premier League days um, mm. for Ipswich in the early two thousands. Like they, they they will never have paid a single footballer what is now the average second tier wage, and I, th- I think a lot of that you know, without knowing the full ins and outs of of the survey, I've not, I've not, I've not seen it uh, yet, but that strikes me as being fueled by Premier League money and par- parachute payments, which obviously Ipswich have never, have never had. So, um, yeah, it, it does kind of highlight the the what was it your the yawning chasm, the gaping chasm. It can be either. Yeah, it can can be either. Yeah, so yeah, it's um, it does kind of paint a picture. Yeah. Of where of where the third tier is at, and that gap is is getting bigger, and you can just see that by the teams that are going going up and down and becoming a little bit yo yoey, you know, like your Rotherhams and Barnsley mm. and teams like that. Mm. And of course, one one uh, player at Town who is also technically a Premier League player, who you'd imagine would be on a fair whack of wages, is Luke Garber. Um, you've been uh, writing a little bit about him this morning and talking about his future and complications caused by the Rona. Um, what's uh, what's Luke been saying? He's been spelling out how complicated his future looks like, and it, you know it it is complicated for him. Like he's he he's out of contract at Everton at the end of June. His his loan at Ipswich expires at the end of the season, uh, whenever that ultimately may be, which is also kind of up in the air. Um, He's going to be leaving Everton. He's going to have to take a pay cut because he's on a he's on a significant wage at Everton, which he he will have to take a cut wherever he ends up. Regularly stated, he had hoped you know he'd ha- be happy for that to be at Ipswich. He seems happy. He's he's performed ge- generally well for Ipswich. Kind of started hot, and there's um you know maybe drifted off a little bit, but I think there's an there's certainly an appetite for him to be a, a full time Ipswich player. But so much is up in the air for for him. In that, you know, you don't know when this season is going to finish, and if it goes beyond June, um, he can't play for Ipswich as a loan player because he would have no club to be on loan from. Um, Ipswich may not want to extend the loan to take in these final eight games whenever they get played. Um, so yeah, he, who knows? Um, I think he'll be okay in in general, like. It, there are worse situations to be in, I guess, but it is a, com- a confusing time for him when it would have been kind of time for him to start thinking about how to take his football career up a gear and find a regular home. Um, that may just be a bit more complicated now. Mm. So we get into the the meat of the topic as well. There's been a lot of, um, obviously, there's a lot of noise around when the football season might start again, what it may entail. Will you be allowed five subs? Will you be allowed more subs? All this sort of stuff. Um, and obviously, it seems like everything is pointing towards June, June the 6th slash 8th, um, on the project restart for the Premier League, uh, EFL looking at potentially June the 6th, everything behind closed doors. Um, and obviously, the narrative is, is certainly when it comes to the Premier League, is to uh, lift the spirit of the nation um, and get these games back on. Obviously, it's all to do with money. <laughs> that's, that's what it all comes down to. But I'm, I'm just sensing, Hutch, I don't know about you, a kind of shift in the narrative over the last couple of days from 
it's definitely going to happen. It's all going to come back. It's going to be behind closed doors. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to be able to watch it. Let's get the season done. That's that's important. Now there seems to be a shift towards actually, should we play be thinking about playing football again in, under any circumstances at the moment? That's what interests me. I mean, mm-hmm. the, a lot of the European leagues, the French leagues yesterday, saying there's not going to be any sport at all until September. So their seasons are over. The Dutch season's already over. Do you, where, where do you stand on this whole thing? Because for me, I've got to say, I feel a little bit uncomfortable with talk of football starting up again and, and, and all this money uh, involved in it when you obviously still got the nation on lockdown, you've got a lot of people still dying, ridiculous amount of people ill in hospital. It's just more important things, isn't there? Shouldn't we be worrying about that before we even think about getting getting football back on? Yeah, I, I can completely, I can completely see why they're working on it furiously behind the scenes because, like every every business, every business owner is working on kind of plans. Every industry is working on how they can begin to kind of get back into action again. Mm-hmm. It's just the the public, the public nature of football makes it kind of feel like it's. A, constant swirl of desperation every single day five subs 11 subs mm. play it all at villa park Let, let's go to play play at twickenham i just i just i really struggle to see how they can effectively do this um and then then there's whether whether they should um i think anything that would would put both the footballers lives lives at risk their families of course as well and then taking resource away from from any other anything else as well. It's I really struggle to see how they're gonna how they're gonna do this. It's so temperamental. Um, in, even if they are able to come up with a grand plan that works, they get government backing to do it, the support of the government to do it. They find a venue, they get all the tests they need. All it's gonna take, surely, is for one 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 player one member of staff to to sadly get catch catch the virus mm-hmm. that team's going to have to get locked down again um it just it just seems it just seems so unlikely that it's they're suddenly going to come back and get it get it done um rapidly to wind it all up i just i'm really struggling really struggling to see it how they're going to do it? Well, even even behind closed doors, so there's no fans. Obviously, that's that's a big, big thing. Yeah. But even then, you've got obviously the squads. You've got all the associated people with the squads. You've got paramedics. You've got officials. You've got TV people. You may have you know journalists, media there. That's that's still not an insignificant amount of people to all be having. I mean, you can't you can't play football and social distance. It just doesn't happen. You know, how are you going to? The nature of the game is it's a contact game. People are going to be breathing and spitting and coughing all over each other during a game, sweating. You know, that's just part of the sport. And, you know, situations like free kicks and corners, there's even more intense contact. How do you play a game? You can't just say, well, I'm not going to have any corners in this game. I mean, yeah. it's just, for me, the more you think about it, the more it just seems so implausible. As you say, all it takes is for one player or one, one member of staff to test positive. And then the whole thing's got to be shut down again. I just, it, as I say, the more I think about it, the more a it, it sits really uncomfortably with me when everyone else has got hashtag normal normal members of society, 
have got various restrictions on them and yet we're kind of looking towards these incredibly well-paid players and coaches and stuff to free themselves from the shackles of what we are restricted to to try and lift our spirits that just doesn't to me it doesn't doesn't sit right and then just the practicalities of it like i just can't i can't see how they can do it safely and that ultimately is going to be going to be the thing isn't it so one wonders i know there's an efl meeting going on today i know the premier league obviously which is what everyone will take their lead from they meet on the friday but I, I feel like before i thought it was inevitable it was going to restart somehow but now i'm just starting to feel like maybe the narrative is starting to turn a little bit yeah like obviously last week it was the the area divisie um in the netherlands and then french um french football this week the, the the dutch thing is kind of it's on a much smaller scale to english football in the premier league in in mm. particular the financial side of that um same with the french league actually that it, it's a, you know paris saint-germain received less television money than huddersfield last season um so the the, the these are leagues that have got kind of less less financial and more more kind of sporting and health health reasons behind their shutdown but it has exposed in 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 the netherlands especially like there there's the, the team that were top of the second division they're 11 points clear they've been denied promotion because the season was voided there camber they've they've started to begin legal action and that that is why in this country there's there's the need to seemingly the need for them to push at it because there's so much financially tied up in this that as an industry let's ignore doing it for morale boost and the health of the nation the reason they're doing it is the financial side of it at that level surely that is um, the only argument isn't it Realistically, yes. that's the only argument for doing it but forget i mean i know they'll say oh it's for the good of the nation and this spirit yeah. and that sort of stuff but realistically get behind all the all the talk it's because there's so much money involved that's the real reason they want to they want to get it sorted and also spread up legal action etc if it does get if it does get canned off but why can't we say right we're not going to restart it until it's safe we're not going to restart until september but then we'll finish the season then and and we'll put back the the 2020 um 21 season mm-hmm. if that if, if finishing the season is so important and i can understand perfectly obviously if you've got a club who's on the brink of winning a title or getting promoted or you know surviving relegation all that sort of stuff obviously i can understand why that's important but in the grand scheme of things it's not really that important is it um, no and, health of the nation yeah and that, that's why i wouldn't i wouldn't be voiding the league i like i would be working on a way to to stop uh halt the season call off the season but but award award things based on what has been achieved rather than simply wiping it away and kind of yeah i i would be looking at ways that you can do that um what would you do then? So obviously Liverpool, you, I mean Liverpool have got a, a fair claim on the on the Premier League title. Yeah, what, about, what about the promotion races in various divisions? You're you looking at doing like a points per game kind of thing, or I've come, I've come up. Can I can I float my own idea here, which this I haven't. Place. I don't think I've seen this suggested. It, it is based around points per game, right? Yeah. So points per game, but only using only games 
against teams in your half of the table. Okay. Meaning that teams like, let's take League One as the example here. Those teams at the top half of League One will be look will be will be judged on their performance against teams trying to achieve the same thing as them, which is promotion. Teams in the bottom half get judged on their results against teams looking to achieve the same thing as them, which is staying in the league. When that, and what that would do would kind of negate the argument. Obviously. Ipswich's argument, they're, they're well off the promotion race. We can't realistically see them getting back in. But what their argument would be, would be, look, look, we've played, we've got this easy run of games still mm-hmm. to come. Um, and what what this would do would would mean that it, it's more of a level level playing field. Teams judged on their ambition, almost, how they've actually performed on what their ambition should be because we can't you can't work out a formula that kind of like oh yeah Ipswich have got these easy games they're going to win them all um and get promoted but what you can do is judge them against the teams that were trying to achieve the same thing as them which sadly actually on my calculation would see Ipswich drop another place in the league to 11th but um yeah that that would be my plan and that would see Coventry and Rotherham promoted Fleetwood would finish third which um and then you'd have to decide what you want to do about whether three teams go up and down. But I don't know. What do you think of that? I like it. It's very sensible. It's a lot more sensible than my idea, which is uh, penalty shootout again. <laughs> decide on penalties. Each team picks five players. Each team in the promotion slash relegation race, this is. Five players. You have a, an all or nothing penalty shootout to decide all the various important things. Stream it live on TV. It'd be the biggest TV event of all time. With only five players for each team, they could social distance. They could all be at different parts of the pitch during penalties. Imagine the pressure on that. I mean, obviously, penalty shootouts are great anyway if you're neutral. But imagine the pressure. Literally, someone's got to score this or or save the penalty to send the team up or prevent them from from relegation. It would be incredible to. <laughs> So how many how many penalties are you reckoning would need to be taken? Let's let's use League One again, seeing yeah. that's what we talk about most of the time. How many penalties are going to be taken to decide League One? Would like every team would they just play their matches like against each other, but all on penalties, or would you kind of make it into a bit of a ladder system? I, I, yeah, I haven't really thought about it, mate. To be honest, you know me; I'm more of a kind of uh, ideas rather than meat on the bone type of person. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess you'd take the one now the top. 10 teams in League One and yeah, have them all have them all do a shootout, as it were, against each other. Um, I don't know the logistics of it, but I, I just feel like it would be a, a tremendous TV event. What a spectacle that would be. Um, you'd get like four billion people watching it across the globe, <laughs> especially with the Premier League involved. And imagine if Liverpool somehow find a way not to win the title. In, under a penalty shootout scenario, <laughs> you could um, you could almost handicap it. So obviously Liverpool are well clear at the top of the league. Yeah, but they get five penalties, whereas Man City actually only get to take four. Yeah, or something like that. So that if say Liverpool scored all of their penalties, it's in their own hands. Then they've earned they've earned the right to have, as Paul Lambert would say, you got to earn the right. They've earned the right to have five penalties whereas man city however many points behind can only take three or so but then you're backing your goalkeepers then then 
then you need a hero goalkeeper. Otherwise, Liverpool are, Liverpool are home and dry. I think I think there's legs in that. It's more exciting than working it out on a on a calculator like I've done. That's boring. That's not getting the viewers in, is it? It's not sexy. What this is a penalty, the penalty shootout for all is sexy. I mean, TV people would have an absolute field day. Imagine all the build up to it, all the hype that you do. And I reckon, do you know what? I reckon Town would do all right in a penalty shootout scenario. They've got obviously they've got six foot nine goalkeeper. Who 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 at Town? If if Town are down to the the final penalty, they've got to score it to win promotion. Who do you want taking it in the Town squad? Oh, they've all missed one. Probably Garbert if he's still around. Yeah. Um, Norwood and Jackson have both missed one. Uh, who else has taken a penalty? Well, Holy, Holy and Norris have both saved one. Yeah. This season, uh, Holy in particular, um, re- probably my moment of the season. Actually, ridiculously, in a nil-nil draw with Wickham. <laughs> but um, yeah, if, if if I've got if I've if I've got to have someone over it, I put Luke Garbutt on on it. Um, yeah, they'd, they'd have a, they'd have a chance. Let's make it happen. AFL Premier League, you can have this idea for free. Penalty shootout, Ageddon, whatever you want to call it. Um, it would be absolutely tremendous. The other thing, of course, to mention, Hutchie, which we haven't in this whole debate, is the whole contract issue, which is something which I think is kind of going under the radar as a major issue in terms of finishing the season. Is um, There was an estimation this week, I think it's something like 1,400 EFL players out of contract on June the 30th. Um, I, I read an interview with Stephen, his chairman, saying after after that date, they've got two players under contract. So how on earth can you finish a season, which, if they do manage to start playing again, is certainly going to extend beyond June 30th. Because you can't, I mean, I'm no contract law expert, but I don't think you can just extend contracts across the board. And players no. aren't going to play with no contract. That would be professional suicide. Imagine playing in a game with no contract and you break your leg and your career's over. That would just be silly. So... That I mean, that's another thing to throw in, isn't it? The contracts. What what the f are they going to do about them, Hutchie? Well, that's yeah, that that's all tied up in it, isn't it? There are, there are some players that have um, will have actually already agreed move, moves to other clubs for next season as well. Um, at least sometimes verbally, uh, if they're moving between countries, that'll actually that might even be be done contractually so yeah it's an it's an absolute mess in that regard you Ipswich have got an un, unenviable kind of tough decision to make in the next few weeks in terms of um options in contracts the uh, the option the date in those is in almost all cases the, i think it's the third weekend in may is when those players that have got the kind of extra option year in their contracts um, need to be taken. Among them, who, who's in there? Jay, um, Andre Dizel, Gwion Edwards, Will Keane, um, Cole Skew's in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> They've got to make those decisions based on, they, you know, they, you're going to factor in whether you want those guys around for the conclusion of this season and whether you genuinely wanted them to stay for next season, whether you can afford to keep all these players on now that, Given the uncertain uncertainty, not just this season, but with next season, and how much of that is played behind closed doors, budgets are going to be all over the place. We've seen with Colchester, was it yesterday or the day before? Um, they've released players that they wanted to keep. Frank Nubel among them. Um, they were ordinarily 
Frank Nubel would have got a new contract at, at Colchester, but they've already taken the decision to release him. Meaning mm. that if if League Two does come back in June or July, um, they will be playing without members of their starting eleven. So it's it's an absolute mess, um, and the financial pressures become different as you as you go down the pyramid as well. At the top of the pyramid, it's all about not not giving TV money back, um, satisfying their demands. The more you move down, you find teams, you know, and some teams have been quite vocal about it, Accrington among them, that actually coming back to play eight, nine, ten behind closed doors games is financial ruin for them because they don't want to pay their players to play in games which make them zero money. Mm. So it's so many different circumstances up and down the pyramid and it's an absolute mess and you you do really struggle to see on so in so many areas ranging from health logistics finance how on earth they're going to get this done hmm. it's, a, it's certainly a mess anyway just, do, we, the, just do the penalties mate you could do it all in one day just pick a neutral venue have it have it for one day just have the most in, incredible kind of medical focus on keeping it as safe as possible obviously no no fans just literally five players for each team test them all quarantine them all do whatever you need to do but get it done and in one day as i say it would be the biggest television event of all times we thought you know the wedding of, of prince charles and princess diana was big but not not compared to penalty shootout football exactly. shown around the world shrewsbury v gillingham big penalty shootout being watched by billions that's what we want. I'd watch it. I mean, who wouldn't? Penalties are great. But with so much on the line, it'd be incredible. You could really, really take the TV technology to the next level as well. You could have all sorts of kind of intense visual shots, literally focusing on the eyes as they go to take the penalty, the goalkeeper and the uh, and the player. Get them, get them wearing heart rate monitors, average heart rates on screen. See the spikes <laughs> of heart rates. Be brilliant. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Post cam, get your, get your cameras in there. Perspiration monitor. Mane is is sweating two liters of sweat per second. That kind of thing. Be fantastic. <laughs> so we, we lift the spirits of the nation, the KOA nation, with a bit of mailbag, Hutchie. Yeah, that that's what the country, the country needs. It is, and that's what we're here for. Do you want to do the honors? Mailbag, mailbag. It's time for Mark and Andy to dip into the mailbag. Nailed it. Excellent. That was superb. I like the big build-up for that as well. Right then, first question, mailbag. From a man like Harry Butcher, friend of the show. Number nine. Is he nine or eight? I have completely forgotten all of them. Anyway, he's the man with the arrows. He says, I hope you're all well. I'm really enjoying isolation. I'm getting better at darts every day. This is perfect if you want to practice darts, isn't it? What have you been doing to keep busy? Obviously, we've been working, Hutchie, but is there anything specific other than, than wrangling your, your toddler as well that you've been doing to keep busy, um, keep your um, mind active? Not really. I, I know it sounds really boring, but it's kind of work and looking after my daughter, which which has its fun moments, has its... Uh, has its testing moments and has its very frustrating moments. But um, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of people in, in your boat at the yeah. moment with young kids. I mean, 
obviously I'd imagine that she's you can't really explain to her why you're not going and she's kind of noticed that things are different or she had she, yeah she didn't to start with I think she she was really enjoying having me at home a bit yeah. more I think I, I think the novelty of me has worn of me has worn off um but yeah, I think the last couple of weeks we've started to notice that she's coming becoming a bit fatigued by it. There is only so much that you can you can do kind of in your own garden and house to kind of keep her entertained. She's quite a hyper little girl as it is, but even silly things like this is the longest in her entire life that she's she's not been swimming. She loves yeah, going yeah. swimming. And like and and you're right, you I can't just have a conversation with her that says, Oh no, we can't go swimming because the swimming pool's closed. Um, and will be for quite some time um, she just doesn't understand she wants to go swimming because that's something she did every every single week sometimes twice a week she can't go to her, her gymnastics class which she misses um, but yeah she um, there was some lovely times as well it's nice to spend a bit more time with her particularly at weekends but the nature of my wife's work means that we're not often together all that much um, so it's kind of one-on-one parenting, which I'm sure some people li- will listen to this and and know that that can have its trials. But um, sorry, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a long-winded answer to say that I've not been doing an awful lot, isn't it? <laughs> That's fine, mate. <laughs> the same situation. Yeah. Everyone's me, different, aren't they? Like everyone's got a different. Everyone's got different challenges. Different. It's not good for anybody, but it's just different, isn't it? Everyone's got different. Um, different things that are testing them mm. i can answer you in two words uh, harry in terms of what i've been doing to keep busy outside of work lego and alcohol baby um they, they, they're great they're great bedfellows my friend drunken lego building fantastic um <laughs> how's the how's the mustang going it's done mate it's a thing of beauty it took us uh, it took us like well best part of a week to do um and, and yeah you've got your whole proper engine you've got your working steering you've got all sorts of things it's, it is incredible i'm a proper lego geek now uh, one of the KOA army actually john collis uh, emailed me during the week so i've got some lego do you want to buy it from me will this will this give me friend of the show status <laughs> so uh, i've yet to i've yet to inquire further about that but certainly lego has been has been key now then we've had the same question from two very different people one very attractive lady called liz wants to know what do we miss the most and least about the two absent kings and a very burly gentleman called tony southgate asked a similar kind of question who do you miss most um so obviously roscoe and stewie are not with us they are still with us but not on the podcast um so who do you what what do we miss most and least about the boys those the two the two people asking those questions are at very different ends of the spectrum aren't they they are very different ends yeah yeah um what do we miss most and least? I'll tell you what I miss least about Ross mm. is how long it took us to actually get started with these podcasts when yes. Ross was on them. Because that boy was incapable of sitting down and being <laughs> being still... ready. And then he'd then he'd pick he'd pick his laptop up and kind of walk around his house with it, which which makes the, the viewer feel fairly seasick mm. as he wanders around. Um and also he was kind of incapable of also being on time for calls, wasn't he? So invariably of a morning when we'd all get together for a team's conference, as it were, back when there was more than two of us, um, Ross would always be late or just not show up at all. 
or or claim that his his, his video was turned off, but he was there, that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there on Ross. What do I what do I miss? What no, miss the least about Stewie? I don't know really. That's a, that's a different that's a different kettle of fish. Um, I miss I miss you in general. I miss them both. I like I like Ross's general kind of happy, smiling, um, amusing face and general behaviour. That's what I miss about Roscoe. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does. He, you can't help but smile when you're in Ross's presence, either virtually, even when you're annoyed at him for wandering around with his laptop and just not being ready. Yeah, it's it, it's impossible to be. It's impossible to actually be annoyed because he's a lovely young man. He is indeed, uh, and and Stu's a lovely kind of middle-aged man. Um, what do I miss the most about Stewie? Probably the uh, just the, the beautiful mind, I'd say. Um, <laughs> I think he was. I think he was enjoying isolation interviews, wasn't he? Probably more than than any of the rest of us, because Stewie's someone who really likes to take his time and kind of really chew the fat with someone in an interview and 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 spend a long time then analysing it and writing it up and stuff. That's 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 Stewie's forte, I think. So um, it's a shame. He's, he's out on furlough. Obviously, he's in, I know I spoke to him earlier this week. He's enjoying his time with his family, uh, but I do I do miss those kind of proper in-depth Doctor Watson style isolation interviews. He's gardening, isn't he? Yeah, he's been doing a lot of gardening. He's tell me, yeah. I look forward to seeing it. The fruits of his labour. Um, okay, next question. Kevin wants to know with season ticket renewals now underway. What's likely to happen if fans can't attend until 2021? Now, this is another huge issue, isn't it? Because obviously, if and when football does restart this season, there's not going to be any fans. There's going to be, we know there's going to be some kind of live streaming available to season ticket holders. And Marcus said last week that, that when fans are allowed back, they'll look at things like having dedicated entrance points for, for elderly fans and those at risk and maybe time spots. But then surely... Regardless of where you get into the ground, if you're still then just mingling with everyone, that kind of negates it, doesn't it? So tough to see how long it's going to be before fans can actually get back and, and, and watch football, which means they've got a big situation here with, with season tickets, actually. Yeah, um, we, we kind of went we went over the season ticket, the season ticket sales that they are doing last in the last episode. So there's a big discussion on that in that one, if you want to listen go back and listen to that but in terms of obviously people will have renewed I think think plenty of people have renewed their season tickets um, and they will have done so knowing that there's a possibility that those games will be behind closed doors and the longer that goes on the more pressure there will be for some kind of refund um, policy on that that's one for the club it's one they're one they're aware of potentially the need for it and I think it's something they'll they'll look at when it becomes clear what what's needed but it's just a, a logistical nightmare that it's just the the fact that so much is unknown mm. is just um just makes this not just in football just in the whole in the whole world every aspect of life um it's just an unknown it is indeed andrew wants to know what's the best excuse andy has used to keep his daughter away from a screen to... I actually turned it off at the wall the other day so that she's by the age of two, she's already kind of worked out how to use the remote. So even just turning it off 
sometimes she'll just come and say, look, Daddy, I turned it on. Um, <laughs> and if it's turned off at the wall and the plug is behind the sofa, she can't. So that's, um, that's uh, yeah, that's that's the best tactic at the moment. Just tell her that she's broken it. What is it with kids, though? We seem to be born now with this kind of innate technical knowledge that I that generations before would never be able to do. I mean, the fact she's she's worked out how to use the remote. She's two years old. Yeah. yeah. She but, she she can load up what she she knows how to turn it on, and she knows how to get Netflix on, which is where obviously you're going to be watching Hey Dougie in the next few few weeks. Now I've recommended it to you. Yeah. But that's Netflix is um is kind of Hey Dougie central. So she knows how to get that on. She doesn't quite know how to then put Hey Dougie on, but but um yeah, they're remarkable. My nephew who he knew how to operate YouTube by by two and a half, like <laughs> swipe swiping and stuff, and how that worked. Ridiculous. He'll be setting up a channel next and making millions. <laughs> um, Nigel G. Legend, friend of the show. Number nine, NHS hero. Thank you for your service. Some clubs are associated with a famous motto, e.g. Spurs, to dare is to do, and Everton, nothing but the best is good enough. Can you come up with a motto for town to adopt? And he adds, hashtag stay home, save lives. Town motto. Um, I don't speak Latin. No, well. It's always good if it's in Latin, if you can. The only Latin I know is... is uh, Dulcia decorum est pro practi mori, which is um, something they used to say during the war, isn't it, about it being great and wonderful, essentially, to die for your country. But um, that wouldn't really work in a town motto, I don't no, think. No. <laughs> um, um, how about uh, why aim for greatness when mediocrity is acceptable, something like that? Uh, only if it's written in Latin. I'd, I'd go with that if you could get if you could Latinize that. Makes it sound um, serious, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, something like you could go for what's the point in looking forward when you can look back and be satisfied there you go do that yeah i like it chris miles uh, in fact there's a couple of people asking the same kind of question um chris miles wants to know what is hutch hogan's preferred formation to dominate football manager for many decades four two three one back four attacking fullbacks sweeper keeper one kind of relatively holding midfielder, one playmaker, um, a number 10 who's got a bit of pace, two wingers and a striker who's good in the air. Job done. There you go. Aaron Tester, as a boom, winner of the first live strike, also asked a similar question. He's just, he said he's been playing far too much football manager in the lockdown. Any formation advice? As a, one wonders when his, his title as, as live strike winner would ever be challenged. When are we ever going to get to do a KO Live 2 eh? Who knows? That's the real. That's the real travesty of the whole thing. Exactly. Uh, Alex Herbert asks about um, how to restart seasons. Can it happen? Obviously, we talked about that, Alex. But much appreciated. Um, Harvey Davis, friend of the show, Boyo in the valleys. Love Um Number four, I think Harvey is, isn't he? No, he's not. I can't remember. Um, oh. Let's ditch the number system. Yeah, we can't still away with the numbers. If you're in, you're in. You're in. Good to hear from you, boys. Hope you're both safe and well. So I thought I'd give you a sense of being back in the office today. What are the unwritten rules of your workplace and what annoys you the most? Um, what annoys me the most is generally anyone other than members of sport talking to me in the office. 
unwritten rules kind of all around drinks rounds Hutch, you don't obviously drink hot drinks so you never have to make a drink but you definitely do not offer anyone outside of sport to make a drink um or indeed be included in a round unless it's on a sunday and you're in the office and then all bets are off when it comes to drink rounds um can you think of any other unwritten rules Hutchie? Um, um, we've discussed the not walking behind our desk thing on here before haven't we you should yeah. there's, there's a little alleyway a little what you might describe as a, a walkway behind where you and Stu sit around the back of our desk that some people use liberally as a, a passage to the kitchen. That should mm. not happen. Um, it's not a public. Unwritten rules. Yeah, what? there's a lot of politics around hot drinks, which I, I, I have abstained from um, just because I don't drink them. Um, I have made the odd. I do make the odd. I've, make the odd drink hot drink for people but i'm never i'm i'll be honest i'm never going to offer to make a full round if there's just i'll, I'll sometimes make particularly mike actually well uh, because mike's in first quite a lot of the time in the morning when i come in yeah i'll go and get a water i'll make mike a hot drink or i'll put some water on one of your ginger one of your ginger teas that you have my friend yeah i'll do that because that because that's just putting some hot water in i can handle that but I'm not faffing around with tea bags and letting other people's drinks brew. It's just, it's, it's a slippery slope. If I make one, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get in on the round system, but so much polit political nonsense there. Other I can think of, uh, Mike Bacon shall depart at 5 p.m. every day. Yeah. He'll start yeah. the build up to departure at 4.30. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's always fun. Stewie Watson shall not wash any of his cups. He'll, he'll leave them until someone else comes along and, and takes them, takes care of them for him. Oh, I dread to think, do you reckon he's left one? Do you reckon he's left one there? Of course, yeah. There's usually three or four on his desk, mate, that have got things growing in them. So I'd imagine there's all sorts, there's probably penicillin growing in there. There might be the cure for coronavirus, actually, growing in a cup in our office. Um, and an, old, other... an old colleague of mine, um, Craig, an old friend of mine, He he, I used to work with him at the newspaper in Swindon, but he now... Um, he now is kind of a marketing guy for a, a high-end sofa company. Yeah. He uh, he was telling me the other day that he left a bag of oranges in his desk drawer of an office that he's not been allowed to be in for coming up to two months. So they are going to be awful. Wow. That's going to be another another living being growing out of that, I reckon. Mm. State of our fridge as well. Our fridge is bad enough on on days we're all allowed in so god knows what's in there now um another unwritten rule of course roscoe roscoe can can use whatever part of any desk he wants to put his stuff on um, yeah, yeah mostly mine actually yeah he's forever encroaching isn't he ridiculous glory days artwork our friend brad doing some great stuff check out his, his stuff on socials um it gets very deep here with no football to talk about let's get down to the real nitty gritty would you sacrifice yourself for a stranger what if that stranger was a child? Wow. This is, <laughs> this is really deep. Uh, what are you saying, Hachi? Uh, this is all circumstance. I'm not going to blindly kind of... I'm not going to blindly do anything on a whim when I've not assessed the situation. Um, mm. If the stranger, for example, was ridiculously putting himself at risk like dangling himself over a bridge in front of a train for example i'm not going to suddenly <laughs> i'm not i'm not suddenly going to 
dive just on the off chance that I might I might save him. I need to obsess I need to I need to assess the situation, probabilities, likelihoods of us both surviving and then and then go from there. Obviously the percentages are gonna gonna switch for, for children. Um this this is very deep again. Um very, very deep, perhaps too deep. It is um, deep. Yeah. What about you? Are you gonna blindly sacrifice yourself for a stranger? Probably not, mate, to be honest. Um yeah. million dollar million dollar question. I mean, to be fair, there's not that many people I would sacrifice myself for, to be honest. Uh, and and in terms of it being a child, I'd probably be less inclined if it was a child, just because I don't like the, the societal convention that you should put yourself at danger for a child more. I don't really like children. And, you know, <laughs> what happens if I say, you know, it, it wouldn't be grateful, would it? I'd save it and he'd probably moan and, and ask for a chocolate bar or something, little fucker. Um, so, yeah, probably less likely for a child, I've got to say. Um, that's deep, though, isn't it, from Brad there? He's obviously he's obviously, he's obviously looking for question of the week status, which normally goes to for Peter's yeah, worry. Um, Matt Lee, lockdowns causing havoc in dreams of myself and my uni friends. What crazy narratives have been thought of by yourselves at night? Have you been ever, have you been having kind of mad dreams, Hutchie? Um, not dreams so much. I do occasionally wake up in the morning and just forget the what situation the world is in and start to think about oh what am i doing today and then oh yeah not leaving the house but yeah not 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 really mad dreams actually not not really at all i never remember my dreams like it annoys me people who say they can remember their dreams because i very very rarely can remember them um my missus had an absolute belter of a dream the other day which uh, involved her meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger by circumstance in a swimming pool uh, and then him offering her a, a Tupperware container of some stewed rhubarb that he'd, he'd brought for some reason. It's very good of him. <laughs> Isn't it? I'm not sure there's enough protein in stewed rhubarb for, for Big Arnie. Um, King Arthur Pickthorne. With this being supposed last week of the season, there should have been thousands of fans all over the country going to games in all kinds of weird and wonderful outfits. What would be your fancy dress of choice to wear to a game as a fan and in the press box? What is there, what's, is there a, I've always wondered this, because obviously generally people who are working for the press, they, they turn up relatively smart. Is there any kind of rule about what you can and can't wear if you're going to a game as a member of the press? Um, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules at Ipswich. Like, I'm probably on the more casual end of what people do wear um, in terms of not wearing a collar um, all the time. But there, there are some somewhere. There was, there was one game when I was covering Swindon. We, we, were, we went to Wolves uh, in League One when Wolves were down there. And there was a, um, a no, I think there was a, I think there was a no denim rule, which our photographer had to go to like the, the, the nearby Asda and, um, buy some very very cheap shiny suit trousers to change into otherwise they wouldn't have let him in but no, no I don't think there's not really any hard and fast hard and fast rules I, I don't go to games wearing shirts and ties I'll, I'll sometimes wear a shirt but certainly don't wear a suit um yeah you've got to be confident yeah 
Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not really. I don't really buy into dress codes particularly. Um, not really my vibe. How about fancy? Fancy dress. The only fancy dress I actually have is um, I, I, and I've wheeled this out on a number of occasions. Yeah. Is um, I've got like quite a nice cow outfit, <laughs> like a patterned, patterned cow onesie, which has like it's got like proper plastic udders on it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd probably go for that. It's got a little hat as well with horns and some little horns and things. Have you still got the lederhosen from your stag do? Somewhere. That is somewhere. Don't um, act. Don't wear, the, don't wear them all the time, mate. I bet Vicky loves it. <laughs> yeah. I did lose the hat. The hat was a big part of that. I don't know where that's gone. But I think I think the, the general PVC lederhosen is around somewhere. Could go for that. Strong look. Yeah. I think I'm going, if I'm doing fancy dress, I'm probably doing some kind of superhero business, more than likely Batman, I reckon. Um, in terms of in terms of things not being allowed, types of dress, true story. First time we went to St. Lucia, I was uh, a fair few years ago when camouflage shorts were fashionable. Um, I was going through bag check in the airport uh, and the guy said to me, um, are you going to St. Lucia? And I said, yeah. And he said, you can't go wearing them shorts. And I thought, I said, yeah, yeah, good one, mate. Nice one. Thinking he was being a jovial kind of airport man. And he said, no, I'm serious. You'll get arrested if you go to St. Lucia wearing those shorts. He says, they have military police in St. Lucia and you're not allowed to wear camouflage. Otherwise, you're accused of trying to impersonate the military. Um, wow. And I, he, he made me go and change my shorts. <laughs> wow. Or he'd let me get on the plane. It was that serious. And it's true. It's true. They do, they do not like you wearing camouflage in St. Lucia. Because they have a military police force. There you go. Goodness. Bit of, bit of education there for you if you are going to go to St. Lucia. It's a brilliant place. Who knows when any of you might have a chance to do that again. Peter Dwerry House. Stand by. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're standing in a field and all of a sudden a craft crash lands onto it. It's going to be about death, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The rubble, you see very clearly, the, here we go, the body of an extraterrestrial. <laughs> what do you do? Call the authorities or take the creature and try to protect it from them. If so, then what? And then he says, brackets, not about death. So it's a seriously injured ET uh, in this question. What are you doing, Machi? You, you calling the authorities on ET? Uh, if it, yeah, ET. I haven't got time. I haven't got time to be messing about with aliens in general. Um, you're a busy man. Yeah, like I'd probably, I'd have a look if it looked like ET. You know, ET and what was the kid called in that? Uh, Elliot. 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 Yeah. Um, they had a they had a lovely relationship. If it, it looks like that kind of alien, I might bring it home and see see what Jessica thinks um, of it. Um. If it look if it looks a bit toothy or a bit clawy, I'd probably um I'd probably call the authorities and just not wait around for them. I'd just ring anonymously and just say there's an alien in on the heath. Um, <laughs> come and sort it out, please. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. Actually, you wanna you wanna if it looks hostile, you probably don't want to take it home and make it make it your friend. No. Uh, You're just like opening yourself up for trouble with aliens in general, I would say. You really are. I mean, what happens when, when it's, its brethren come after you for, for taking it? 
you imagine exactly. they're, they're going to have some next level kind of weaponry which is going to do you some fucking damage um right then penultimate question it's a good question fpl tractor if you could compose an ultimate itfc player using parts of players e.g mogger's brain butcher's heart and walkie's tash what bits would you have so the ultimate Ipswich town player do you think that's a podcast in its own right? It probably is, you know. I reckon we could probably do a good one around that. That's part of the debate, maybe for next week. I've got um I've got a very quick put together on members of the current squad. Yeah. On what I would do. But I think in general, I think we could have some fun with that. I agree. Um very quickly though, from the current squad, I would have Luke Wolfenden's M M&M M haircut. <laughs> Not Will Keane's man bun. No. I'd have I'd have Luke Chambers chest pumping heart. I'd have the dry wit of Cole Skews, Caden Jackson's pace. And then could I just have the all round general football ability of Flynn Downs? Yeah. Um just I don't need to mess about with that really. I think he's the best player. Just add in some of those things, then you're in business. But I think I think historically we could have some fun with that. I like it. Let's let's stick the idea in the thought fridge, shall we, and come back to yeah. it, it later. Yeah. Um, final question from Austin Vidal, friend of the show. The Wanderer. The Wanderer, number 11, Austin, who's in uh, Australia at the moment, banging out some very, very quick 5K runs. Austin, very impressive. He says, question for the pod if you can squeeze it in. Um, with Lambert at the helm for the remainder of his contract, uh, who do people see slash prefer taking over in time? Uh, he says, I've gone for the ex-player theme with those that have managed at arguably lower levels and are on the coaching pyramid. So he says, Kieran Dyer, Chambers, Darren, too hot to handle Curry, Sheffy Cucci, James Collins, David Healy, Liam Rossini, George O'Callaghan, people like that. So okay. have you got anyone ex-player style? I mean, obviously, you can throw Matt Holland in there somewhere. I don't, I'm not sure if he's got any of his coaching badges, but someone like that. So if the, ne- if the next manager of Ipswich Town is a former player, who would you like it to be, Hutchie? Are we talking... The question was, like, Lambert sees out his contract and yeah, then... Yes, so he sees out his, his contract. And it comes to a natural end. Um, and then the next person in charge is a, is a former player. OK. Um, it'll be between two, then. Um, Kieran Dyer, going... Go and get an assistance job somewhere. Yeah. Do that for do that for 18 months. Go out on your own somewhere else. Have some success. Then Lambert's remaining five years <laughs> is uh is gone. In you come. Kieran, let's go Kieran Kieran Dyer. I think... I'd also I'd like I, I really want I'm fascinated to see what happens when when Luke Chambers and Cole Skews go into management and maybe maybe five years is enough for them to learn the ropes somewhere else and then come back. It'll be one of those two, but I, I would I would I would love to see it here and I have a go. But he but yeah, he, as much as anyone here that he'll admit he needs to go somewhere else maybe and, and learn learn a bit. He's doing he's doing a lot himself in terms mm-hmm. of learning from others elsewhere. Um let's see what happens. I think with I think you're right with Chambers. I think Chambers has to be a, a go away to come back sort of job, doesn't it? I don't think he can just be the next one, kind of moving moving on from being a player into being a manager at town. I think it would be good for him to go away and, and yeah, learn his craft somewhere maybe. 
And, and if that him, scenario happened as well, if, if the scenario happened, the Luke Chambers suddenly took over at, at Ipswich, I can't imagine the club would be in a particularly good place. Yeah. If that was if that was kind of the the move that was made, um, that wouldn't suggest to me that Ipswich are kind of on the up. Uh, if it was Chambers that replaced Lambert, and but, however, Kieran, you never know, Kieran Dyer, it might be. So um, yeah, let's go, Kieran Dyer. I think I think people maybe don't appreciate just how seriously Kieran is taking the, the coaching stuff. I mean, he's he's there's a lot of stuff he's doing, like you say, he's really really into it, isn't he? Um, so who knows? I mean, obviously he was he was a wonderfully gifted player, and and sometimes that doesn't translate into into coaching success. But I'd love to see him given a chance. I'd also like to see Chambers as manager one day, just because I want to see what he wears on the sideline. I reckon he'd he'd be super super fashionable. He'd be waistcoat, yeah. probably be hat. He'd have some kind of extra style he'd bring to it, I reckon. He'd be very, very debonair on the sideline. Um, right shoes, then, that was... shoes with no socks. Yeah, oh, that winds me up. That, that, that's, that's something else. Shoes with no socks. Why? Who does that? I know who does it, but why? Not a good look yep. for my money. No. Um, no. But Chambers is definitely someone who does wear shoes with no socks. That's a great shout. Um, just before we, we head off, actually, I want to give a shout out there for um, Austin mentioned the George O'Callaghan. Um, our friend producer Ross is putting out a series of podcast specials on Saturdays, kind of Ross meets. Um, he's done George O'Callaghan, he's done Sergi Bolcher, which is an interesting listen. It's great. He actually calls him um, Sergei Bartacha. I think he'd been he'd been practicing quite a lot before he spoke to him. That's a really good listen, actually. Uh, and also, I think he's done Billy Clark. I know he's got Darren Curry coming up. Now, for the shadowy Archant figures who may or may not be listening, this is all done before he went on furlough. All these were recorded, so we're just putting them out um, one every Saturday, and they are good listens, aren't they? Have you listened to any of them? Um, I've listened to the to the Sergi Bolcher one. I've yeah. listened to some of the um, some of the George J. Callahan one, and the Adam Tanner one that, that started it all off is really good as well. So um, yeah, go and give them a listen. Yeah, they're good stuff. Um, anything to mention, Hutchie, before we uh, before we take our leave? No other business. No other business. Fair enough. Um, that just leaves me to say then, please follow us on all the, uh, the social media, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Kings of Anglia. Also, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us in our uh, visibility in the charts. And we've got a really good one from someone calling themselves Gwigsy. Not the Gwigsy who's in Oasis, I assume, um, but says it's basically saying it's the best pod around. So, fair play to you, Gwigsy. Um, the best ITFC podcast around. Good laugh as well, top notch. Your good. Time. Well, we see. Uh, and also hit subscribe to your various podcast providers. We are obviously offering a reduced service at the moment. We're getting one flagship show a week with just me and Hutchie here. Try and lift spirits and keep you entertained. We've got some nice messages actually from listeners Marty Dyer and David Williams. David's actually had COVID. He said it's horrendous. But he said the uh, the pod helped him through it, which is great. And um, that's exactly why we're doing it for the, the Kerry Army out there. Um, Hutchie, what have you got planned? The rest of this week, obviously, you're doing a bit of travelling, I'd imagine. You've got some some big things planned. Yeah. Um, yeah, big family meet-up tonight, which will be good. Yeah. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually meant to be... My, my sister-in-law's supposed to be getting married in Aberdeen on Saturday. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, which obviously, very sadly, isn't, isn't happening. You don't even um, need to make an excuse. It's brilliant. Yeah, I was... Uh, I was actually really looking forward to that, but um, okay, that's the line. No, no, no genuinely, genuinely, okay. I was. Um, 
but uh, yeah, no, it, it would have been really nice. But um, yeah, sadly that's not happening. So yeah, that's that's what I was meant to be doing this weekend. I'm meant to be going to to Scotland. That's something else I've not even considered. All the people having to call weddings off and stuff. Have they have they have they got another date? Have they just moved it back for a year? How's that? They've yeah, they've moved it. They've moved it to September, which, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's bad, man. Fingers crossed yeah. they they get it they get it done properly and and safely. I mean, I think a lot of people are moving back for a year, aren't they? Imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's bad enough with you going on holiday or something, but imagine if you've got your the biggest day of your life all booked and paid for, and, and it yeah. can happen. That must be gutting. Yeah. Uh, that's a very somber note on which to end this. Yeah. Have you got anything light-hearted we can discuss before we go? <laughs> um, I'm going to have a bacon sandwich for lunch. I haven't had a bacon sandwich for months. Nice. Um, but I did the I did the did the supermarket run first thing this morning and um, bought some bacon. I'm going to have a bacon sandwich for lunch. So there, there you go. Let's end on on that. Brown sauce. Absolutely. Egg on it. Uh, probably not. Probably not. I'm not against it. But I, I kind of want, I kind of just want bacon. Fair play. Enjoy it. Uh, and Thanks, Karen, treat yourself to a bacon sandwich as well. Thanks for listening today. Um, it is, of course, now time to enter the club. The, the, the theme tune is getting out there on Twitter, Hutchie. It's obviously going to one day chart, take the charts by storm. And we're trying to get it into as many other Arch and podcasts as possible. Glancing Header, our sister podcast, the women's football podcast that Arch and do, already said they're up for it. So uh, we shall see. The man in charge of Arch and Podcasts complimented it as well, so it can only be a matter of time before. Oh, that oh, yeah. Did you see it? It made the um, the shadowy Archant newsletter that goes Did it? Out once a week. Yeah, it was um, on the bottom of the news. The new we get this newsletter sent round every week, kind of uh, highlighting some of the the good stuff done throughout the entire company. We never feature on there ever. No. However. Um, the guy who writes it at the very end, he always includes a moment of zen. Yeah. Uh, we were we were last week's moment of zen. Banging. So uh, all of the shadowy arching figures are now aware of Clubland. Outstanding. With that, then Hachi, you go and make your bacon sandwich. I'll make myself some chicken and I'll pour myself a small scotch for lunchtime. Lockdown rules. <laughs> Let's head into the club. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. Look out for Ross Meats on Saturday. I think it's Darren Curry. Um, stay well. Keep washing those hands. And we'll speak to you again next week. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
classroom option, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archive.